0: So, uh, so so Ann, she just read like uh, Jesus getting baptized. It's like this huge pivotal moment in the life of Christ and in Christ's ministry. Um, and because she just read that, it only makes sense that I go a completely different direction and I start telling a story in Genesis 9. Okay? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start telling a story in Genesis 9. If you guys have your Bible apps, uh, you, can, you can pull them out and look at Genesis 9. It's a really interesting story. It's a story of Noah. Um, you guys know who Noah is? I can assume that most people in this room know who Noah is. Uh, he had the ark, and the story goes that his his whole family was saved, um, and the rest of the earth was destroyed, and that there are some animals on the ark with him and all the rest. Okay, So Noah gets to dry land. And what does Noah do when Noah gets to dry land? Uh, he gets really, really drunk. That's what he does. Seriously, you can read it. Uh, he gets really, really drunk, and uh, like any person who gets really, really drunk, nobody in this room, but people in other rooms, uh, who get really, really drunk, uh, he took off all his clothes, got naked, um, and so he took off his clothes, and this is, this is the Bible, this is God-inspired stuff, people, and so he he took it, uh, he took off his clothes, he got naked, uh, and then Noah, uh, like any good drunk person would, nobody in this room, of course, he, uh, he passed out, passed out where he was, blacked out, passed out, so, uh, Noah's son comes in, a guy named Ham, comes in and he sees Noah naked and passed out. And he says, I better cover this guy up. So he covers him up. Uh, But then uh, Ham makes a really big mistake. Ham tells all of his brothers that Noah is drunk and naked and passed out. Okay, And that is a no-no. You don't dishonor your father like that. So Noah wakes up. And can we say for a minute, this is the guy that that God chose to save, right? That's how the story goes. Uh, Yeah, but he he wakes up and... uh, and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm covered up, but oh my gosh, all my sons know what's going on. Who did this? And it was Ham. And so Noah curses Ham. Now, if we were cursed upon, if we somebody cursed at us, it's the really immature thing to do, but most of us in this room would curse back. Let's just be honest, right? This is not that type of cursing. It's a very different type. This is a, a better word to use would be disown. Noah disowns Ham. Okay, So when Noah disowns Ham, he disowns uh, his entire family, wife, children. It means he disowns everybody that comes after Ham, all the kids and all the grandkids. And for generations upon generations, Ham's family is disowned. They are cursed. Okay, so Ham has some kids. Uh, he has two sons. Their names are Tyre and Sidon. And Tyre and Sidon have a lot of sons, and those sons uh, um, become a nation. So you have the nation of Sidon and the nation of Tyre. Okay, that's how big they become. And the nation of Tyre and the nation of Sidon are cursed because they're part of Ham's curse. And so when you walked around, you say that's Tyre and Sidon. They're cursed. Okay. So now I want you to do a little Bible walk with me. All right. You got your apps. Go to Judges chapter ten. Judges chapter 10, um, it's verse uh, 11 and 12. We find out that somewhere along the line, uh, Sidon, this cursed nation of Sidon, attacked Israel. You want to talk about some serious daddy issues? There it is right there. Sidon attacks Israel, right? That's what we know. So there's really bad blood between this cursed nation and Israel, okay? Um, there are also other references to Tyre and Sidon and how evil and how cursed they are. My favorite comes from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. And as a prophet, he's the mouthpiece for God. So when Ezekiel talks, they're saying that it's God talking. And this is what Ezekiel says about Sidon. It's Ezekiel 28, and it says this, I'm against you, Sidon, and among you I will display my glory. You will know I'm the Lord when I inflict my punishment upon you. I'll send a plague upon you. I'm going to make blood flow in your streets. The slain are going to fall within you. The sword against you on every side. You want to talk about being a cursed nation? That is being cursed. That's not good. I don't want to leave Tyre out, though. Uh, So in Ezekiel 28, it says, Say to the ruler of Tyre, I'm going to bring foreigners against you. They're going to draw their swords against your beauty and wisdom. They're going to bring you down to the pit. You're going to die a violent death in the heart of the seas. That's what God says about Tyre and Sidon. So you are a good Hebrew, and you are reading um, the prophet's And you see that God says this about the cursed nations of Tyre and Sidon. What do you think about Tyre and Sidon? What are your thoughts about them? They're less than. They're not as good as me. They're cursed, of course. Your mom is like, don't play with the kids from Tyre and Sidon. Right? Like, that's what happens. And like you see them and you make fun of them and you throw things at them because they're Tyre and Sidon. They're the cursed kids, right? Uh, you are worthy and they are not worthy. So Israel's worthy, Tyre and Sidon are not worthy. I mean, you are chosen and Tyre and Sidon are not chosen. You are loved and Tyre and Sidon is not, are not loved. Um, you are right and Tyre and Sidon are wrong. That's a big one. You are right and Tyre and Sidon are wrong. Um, I got something to tell you guys. I am right? about everything. I'm serious. Um, everything. I'm just right about it. I, uh, I'm here to tell you that Chipotle is probably the best food you're ever going to eat. <laughs> and I'm right about that. And that's why we eat it every day. Um, I predicted that the Seahawks and the Pats would win yesterday, because I'm always right. Um, even though I could care less about either of those teams. Um, I can tell you that every decision I make at this church is the absolute right decision, and I am never wrong, and I never have any issues whatsoever. I can tell you that. I know exactly what I'm doing here. (laughs) But but I can tell you that I'm right. right? If you ask my opinion on the city, I'll give you my opinion on the city because I'm right about it. I know how to fix it. I know what to do to make it the best place ever. I am right. And now there are some of you on this side of the room, and you're going, wait a second, Jonathan, you're not always right because I'm always right. And then there are others of you on this side of the room going, no, no, they're not right because I'm always right. Because there's 7 billion of us on this planet and every single one of us thinks we are right. Seriously. It's us and then 6,999,999,999 people that have no clue. Right? Right? Right. Yes, thank thank you. I'm sitting up here going, maybe it's just me that thinks I'm right all the time. Thank you, Angela. Yeah, um, we think we're right. We think that we know best. What does this have to do? What does this even have to do with Jesus' baptism? What does this have to do with epiphany? Because we are in epiphany right now. This is epiphany. Arise, shine, for the light has come. Okay, So the light is here, and the light is Jesus Christ. And if you were here last week, we talked about how um, incredible this was. The climate in which uh, Jesus Christ arrives is just one that's... um, it's revolutionary. You know, we talked about how you have walls of Jerusalem, and there's the elite and the powerful in those walls, and outside of those walls is where Jesus is born. So he's born among the oppressed, and he's born among those who uh, have no power and are not elite. And so there's this buzz around Jerusalem that says there's a Messiah that's born, and he looks a lot like us. So now I have to uh, take this call to action. I'm, I'm being called to action. So Epiphany is the light of Christ. It's a time where we say we're going to be on our toes instead of back on our heels waiting around. Right? We're, we're going to take action. Um, but we called this Epiphany series, we called it Vox Dei, Voice of God. We called it the Voice of God. And the reason is, is because we believe Epiphany is the time when we can clearly hear the voice of God. Not that it's ever truly clear, but we Worship a God who's like bigger than big, right? Larger than large, infinite beyond infinite. we say every week, does exceedingly to mundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine, right? And this God is so big, and, and this God says, I love my creation so much that I want them to understand my character. I want them to see who I really am. And so in Epiphany, we say that that God comes as God God incarnate. That's Jesus Christ, God on earth, so that God says, you want to see what I look like? You want to see what my character looks like? You want to see what I like? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, and it's through Jesus that you can see who I am. That's what we believe. So this Epiphany season is an exciting time. It's a time where we say, when we look at Jesus, when we see Jesus, we can see and hear the voice of God, which is why Jesus' baptism is incredibly important. It's incredibly important because it's one of the pivotal moments in Jesus' ministry, and I believe it's one of the pivotal moments that allows us to see what God truly values, what God cares more about than other things, and we get the picture of it in Jesus' baptism. I think it helps us to understand what it means to be the light of God, to be the voice of God. So let's talk about it. Jesus is born. It's Epiphany. Light has come. There's some movement around. There's there's some buzz. People are like, "All right, I'm waiting for this Messiah. And John the Baptist shows up. Guy's got a super creative nickname. John the Baptist. Anyway, he starts baptizing people. (laughs) Anyway. Um, and, uh, And he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I love this. I love the word repent. Repent is a great word. It means change your mind. So he's saying, change your mind. Change your mind about the things that you're seeing. Change your mind about what's happening in your world. Change your mind. And so when people start to change their mind, it's pretty cool because you start changing your mind. You're like, huh, I think about this stuff a little differently now. Maybe the decisions I'm making aren't the best ones. Maybe things aren't adding up. Maybe I am a bit sinful. And so now I can say I'm changing my mind and I'm baptizing myself for the, for the forgiveness of my sins. It's a, it's a good thing. It's like I'm changing for the better. I'm getting better. And he's like, do it because there's a Savior coming. That buzz that you're hearing, it's important. And so all of a sudden Jesus shows up. This is what happens. Jesus, uh, it says this. And I've got to find it. There it is. Jesus come, came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So what's happening here is Jesus says, I want to be baptized. And John goes, listen, man, I know who you are. You're God. You're God incarnate. You're Jesus. You're the Messiah. And I'm telling people to repent, which means I'm telling people to change their minds. And because you're God, because you're the Messiah, there's nothing you really have to change your mind about. You're you're pretty much okay. And then he's he's going, and forgiveness of sins... You're God. There's no sin there. So you're kind of messing with my ministry. That's basically what he's saying. You're messing with my ministry. You're messing with my theology by asking me to baptize you. Don't mess with my ministry and my theology. And and, and the thing I love about this is when you read commentary on the scripture, the Greek that is used here is um, it's repetitive and it's emphatic, which most people believe means that because it's repetitive and, and emphatic, means that not only were they yelling at each other, Jesus and John, we would never get that, right? They were yelling at each other, and there might have been like physical, like they might have been physical with one another to the point where like Jesus is like, come on, man, baptize me, like leaning back. And John's like, no, man, no, I'm not going to do it. Like that's what is happening here. Okay, you have this scene where Jesus is like, do it, do it. You know, like that's what's going on. Like it's this really physical thing. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's you know, kind of what we, we see from there. So it's this, it's this big emotional uh, event. And then Jesus says this, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Everything gets lost in translation. Let it be so now. I just told you, they were fighting. They were like all physical. He's like, no, we got to do this, man. And John's like, no, I'm not doing it. He's like, we got to do it to fulfill all righteousness. And John goes, oh, oh, got it alright, <laughs> what does fulfill all righteousness mean? Um, it's everything we just talked about, Epiphany. He's saying, basically, we have to do this because this is the point when people realize that, that, that this is the character of God. What I start right here, right now, in this river with you, lets people know that if they want to see God, they see God through me. That's what it means to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus is baptized. So John does it. He baptizes him. This is what scripture says about it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment the heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I am loved and who I am well pleased. And we have this moment, this pivotal moment, where God says, do you want to know what I really look like? Do you want to know what I am? Do you want to know what you worship? You know, you you hear the prophets and you hear about the wars and cursed nations and everything, but if you really want to know who I am, here I am in Jesus Christ, and my first act for you is an act of submission. I submit. I submit. Another commentary I read said this, the first act of Jesus' ministry... The first step in his redemptive plan that he came to fulfill was that he who had no sin took his place among those who had no righteousness. And he who was without sin submitted to a baptism for sinners. In this act, the Savior of the world took his place among the sinners of the world, the sinless friend of sinners. This is the epitome of submission. You want to know who God is? Here's God in Jesus Christ. And for my first act, I submit. What happens after that? Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days, and he doesn't begin his ministry. He fights a bit in the desert, goes through some stuff, comes out of the desert, goes back to his hometown church, preaches at his hometown church, gets a few people angry and upset, but now it's time to really go out and do his ministry. Now it's time to go out and to tell everybody that he is the Messiah and that he is God incarnate, and where does Jesus go first? First place he goes to let people know he's Messiah. First place he goes to preach. First place. Any guesses? Tyre and Sidon. See what I did there? See what I did? (laughs) Brought it all around? I'm so proud of myself. (laughs) He goes to Tyre and Sidon. That's where he goes. He goes to the cursed nations, right? He goes to the place where people have, they've warred with these people, they, um, uh, they have cursed Tyre and Sidon, this like curse has been upon them. God has said before that that they are no good, that the sword is upon them. And Jesus goes, you want to know who I truly am? I'm going to go there to that cursed place. And so he goes there and there's this great story. It's about a woman who's Sidonian. She's from Sidon and she goes to Jesus and she says, my daughter has a, a, a demon possessed. I need you to heal her. And the disciples go, Jesus This woman's from Sidon. She's Sidonian. Don't heal her. Like, literally walk away. And Jesus has this, like, banter with her that is witty and hard to understand. And at the end of all that banter, he goes, Wow, this Sidonian woman, you have incredible faith. You have incredible faith. Your daughter is healed. She's healed. That's what happens when Jesus... Decides he's going to go and minister in Tyre and sign to the cursed people. He heals them. <laughs> and then um, you have a homework assignment. is to look through the book of Luke and to find all the places that Sidonians and people from Tyre come to Jesus asking to be healed. Or when Jesus converses with them, there's a few different times. And every time Jesus says, your faith is great, you are healed. You are healed. You are loved. You are talked with. It happens over and over. The cursed place of Tyre and Sidon. And then my favorite, my favorite scripture, it's Matthew 11. Jesus is hanging out with all his friends, for real. He's hanging out with like, a bunch of guys he went to church with, and he's like, I'm the Messiah. And they're like, no, you're not. You're not the Messiah. And he goes, no, I'm the Messiah. And they're like, stop it, Jesus. You're embarrassing us. And he's like, you know what? He's like, the people, people of Tyre and Sidon are better off than you are. Like, that's, that, you guys have it wrong. The people of Tyre and Sidon have it right. That's, a, that's kind of an insult. But at the same time, it's this deal where it's like, you know, for my first act... For my first act, you want to know who I am? I submit. For my second act, I walk into a cursed nation. I tell people they're loved, they have great faith, and they are healed. It's an act of submission all to itself. For my first act, you want to know who I am? I submit. My second act, you want to know who I am? I submit. Want to know the character of God? Submission. That's an ugly word. What an ugly word, submission. Um, most of us grew up in America. If you didn't grow up in America, you've been in America long enough to know that we do not submit. Because we're Americans. We don't. So I wanted to prove this. So I just Googled like politicians who have talked about submission and forget it. Like The list was a mile long, so I picked the most famous one, John F. Kennedy. The cost of freedom is always high, but Americans have always paid it. And the one path we shall never choose is that path of surrender or submission. Right? That's what we read in our history books. It's a great place. Don't submit. We don't submit. Submission is not part of our culture. And then, um, and then we live in New York. <laughs> we live in New York, right? When, when we first moved here, my kid was 18 months old. My daughter was 18 months old, and she was fighting for a water bucket. Uh, and she got the water bucket. She pulled it away. I was very proud of her. And... Um, <laughs> Then the other kid came over, and the other kid uh, came to her dad, who was sitting next to me, and started crying. And was like, "That little girl took the water bucket." And the dad was like, "Don't submit. This is New York. You go get the water bucket." <laughs> <laughs> I looked over at the dad, and I was like, yeah, it's, good. <laughs> "It's good." Because we don't submit. Because it's not in our way. I mean, if we submit, think about what could happen. I say this a lot, right? If we follow the ways of Christ, if we follow submission, there's a chance we don't pursue our dreams. Our passions might not work out the way they want them to. We might not have the success that we want. Things might not turn out the way we've planned. And yet God says, you want to know my true character? I am the holiest of holies, the infinite beyond infinite. And if you want to know who I am, start by submitting. Our church has a vision We have a vision to see uh, lives and neighborhoods restored and renewed through the power of Jesus Christ. And we have these four values that go with that. The values of community. When we talk about generosity, we talk about diversity. And then the last one we talk about is humility. Humility is submission. And if we're going to be a church that that lives out our vision and values and we're going to live out the idea of humility, then we start by giving up our need to be right. That's where we start. We start by giving up our need to be right. And honestly, I will go toe-to-toe with you all day about Chipotle. I will. But we start by giving up our need to be right. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, on our website it says we're more interested in asking good questions than having the right answers. That's a painful thing. It's hard to, to, to want, we want certainty, we, we want certainty, and instead Jesus says, you know, go into the Tyre and Sidons, where are your Tyre and Sidons? Go in there and submit to that person, sit at the feet of that person, and what do we do? Well, if I go and submit to the Tyre and Sidons of my life, what's going to happen is people might think I'm condoning their behavior, I'm not condoning their behavior. If I sit at the feet of the tire and side ends of my life, people might think that they that I believe the same things that they believe, and I don't believe the same stuff they believe, or, or they might think that I side with them, but I don't side with everything. I, I need to let them know that they're probably wrong and that I'm right. No. What does Jesus do? He walks in, he doesn't go, here's why Israel's been right for two thousand years. He goes, Here's why I love you. You're faithful, you're healed. We start by saying that we're not right, by living in the tension, by asking the better questions rather than having the right answers. You want to see the true character of God? It happens by living in that tension and by submission. That's not the only way. I believe in grace. I believe in grace. Do you guys believe in grace? Believe in grace? Some of us are like, some, maybe. Uh, I believe in it. Uh, I believe in grace, and I believe that I believe in forgiveness, but I want to make sure that you understand when I forgive you, when I show you grace, I want to make sure you understand that you have done something incredibly wrong and that you have big consequences coming your way. I want you to know that. And yeah, we do have consequences, but I want you to know them. And I also will show you grace, I'm going to show you, but I also want you to know that I think a little bit less of you now. That's what else I want you to know, I think a little bit less. And that if you do it again, I'm showing you grace, but if you do it again, I'm not hanging out with you anymore we want to be a church that, that has this vision to see lives and neighborhoods restored and renewed, we show grace. We submit through grace. We are the light of Christ through grace. I believe in love. You guys believe in love? I believe in love. Paul has really cool words about love in Corinthians. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It's not quick to anger. It keeps no record of right and wrongs. I'm back at, I I messed up on patient. Like, I'm back at the beginning. Love is patient, not me. love is kind. what no <laughs> no i 'm not if we 're going to have this vision to restore and renew lives, then we are the light of Christ by submitting to that love, the love that Paul talks about. I believe in listening, I believe in listening, and in our city, you know we have this tension in our city there 's tension in like paris there 's tension everywhere because you know in our city. We'd rather turn our backs on somebody than listen to their story. We'd rather turn around and say you don't matter, rather than listen to a story that might have some validation. And then on the opposite hand, we'd rather chant things like "How do you spell racist?" NYPD, because it's a lot easier to say fifty one thousand people are racist than it is to actually listen to somebody who might just might have something to say. And it's a lot easier to take a gun and go and kill somebody rather than it is to say like, "Okay, talk to me about why you're doing what you're doing. I'm listening." If we're going to show submission in this tense, tense time, we show submission by listening. Listening to the stories of others. Listening. Jesus walks into Tyre and Sidon, not with a weapon, not with a sword, but with an ear to hear and a heart to heal. We listen. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that, that, that Jesus Christ has come in this epiphany season as the light. And I believe that this is God incarnate. And I believe in Jesus' ministry until you tell me you have a different idea of who Jesus is. And then I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell you all the reasons you're wrong about who Jesus is. And I forget the fact over and over again that, that Jesus submits himself, his first act of ministry, to submit himself in baptism. That's number one. Number two, his second act of ministry is to go and submit himself to a cursed group of people. And then act number three, what does he do? He's he's God. He can take angels and have them destroy the entire Roman Empire. And instead, he submits himself all the way to death on a cross so that I can walk around as this weird, imperfect human being with a laundry list of issues who is loved more than I can ever ask or imagine. So that we can... Loved as imperfect human beings more than we can ever ask or imagine. I want to be the light of Christ. I'm going to submit to Christ. I'm going to submit. And I am grateful. I am thankful that, that Jesus submits in baptism and the heavens open up. And I have to imagine it was going to be a really scary scene, right? When heavens open up that would freak me out. And and if God wants to show us his true character, it would I would have to imagine that God would send down maybe a bull, I don't know, maybe a bear, maybe a lion, maybe a sword maybe a gun, and God says, this is my son, here I am. And it sounds like the cooing of a dove. It sounds like submission itself. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that you can say, but don't go to Jonathan, because Jonathan's a mess. Don't do it, he's cursed, he's, he's got problems. Don't go to any of us, we're cursed, we have problems, we're a mess too. Don't Don't play with them over there, don't do it. And Jesus says, if you want to know who your God is, you want to know who I am, then come with me and submit so that Jonathan knows he's okay, so that we know we're okay, so that we proclaim the light of Christ. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has fallen upon you and it's fallen upon me and it falls upon us. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, give us the courage to submit, God. Uh, uh, I'm confessing to you right now that I'm standing up here and I don't even want to do it. And I'm sure there's plenty of us who don't want to do it. So this week, speak to us. Let us hear you. Um, Put it on our hearts to maybe, just maybe, sit down and listen this week. In whatever form, whatever capacity that takes with whatever human being at whatever time, whatever place, give us the courage to do that allow us to to bring the light i praise in your name amen